Hello and welcome to the Access Baseball Podcast. I'm your host, Vinny Masana. We're filming live tonight from Long Island Fieldhouse in Hop Park, New York. Joined by two very special guests. I have James Sill to my left, the reigning Diamond Award winner. And to my right is Coach Tom Tuttle of Division High School. So let's start off with um, the obvious, James. Congratulations, you won the Diamond Award. I mean, this has been the culmination of a lot of hard work. So now that you've had a little bit of time to think about it, what's been your, you know, what's like your lasting impression of the 2023 season? Uh, you know, I think it's awesome. Uh, it was a personal goal for me after last year. Uh, really wanted to do it, put in the work, and got it done. So it's really cool to look back. Yeah, absolutely. And coach, um, you know, you've you guys have been fortunate to have a lot of great players in the program, and and James is just the latest in a long line. You know, you had not too long. You only have to go back two years to go back to Nick Roselli's. Uh, you know, his historic season. So can you tell our audience a little bit from your vantage point what the maturation process has been like uh, for James? Well, you know, James, it's funny. We talked about before we were on air that James came to us as a sophomore, and um, he'll, he'll be the first one to tell you this. He wasn't in great shape. Um, he had great size. You know, guys I would talk to would tell me about his size. You know, great, really good bat speed. Um, but the two things he needed to get better at was his weight. He needed to lose some weight, and he needed to get stronger. Mm-hmm. And we, we drilled that into his head when he, when he got back to us as a sophomore. And um, I, I was telling you earlier, I think that one of the things that kind of shocked him was how, how, how much we practice and how much we work at, mm-hmm. you know, being successful at division. And I think that there was a little bit of shell shock to him. And then after his initial year as a sophomore, it started to click to him, say, listen, you know what, let me, let me try to lose some little weight and let me try to get stronger in a weight room. And I think it really clicked with him going into his junior year. Mm-hmm. Kind of changed his body from his sophomore year to his junior year. But then he really made the next step up to the next level. You know, there's 10%, you know, there's 10% of athletes that want to be elite and work at an elite level. Mm-hmm. And then there's the 80% that just think they're working hard, but they're only working like, like an average level. Mm-hmm. And then there's a but- below a 10% that does nothing. It mm-hmm. never gets better. And I think James fell into that 80%. Mm-hmm. And then when he got to us, he started to understand, well, listen, I don't want to waste my talent. Let me try to work at the 10% elite level. Once he started doing that, this is what happens. You become a Diamond Award winner. Mm-hmm. You, you, know, you, you lead your team to a county championship. And he was one of the best players on Long Island this year by, by far. Yeah, and he did it two ways. He, I mean, you could have put him up as a, as a position player or a pitcher. So can you tell our audience a little bit about what that – I mean, how does that work? If you have a player that has uh, the cal- those caliber of numbers, how do they determine whether he's going to be up for a uh, pitcher or, or uh, the position player award? Well, I w- I'd be doing him an injustice if I didn't put him up for both because mm-hmm. I'll be honest with you, he, he, he kind of should have won both. Yeah. I mean, he could have won both. I mean, his offensive numbers were ridiculous. I mean, That's he, never happened, though, He right? batted, like, in, I don't have all the stats with me, but off the top of my head, he batted in mid-fives, upper fives, like 570-something. He had, like, 38 RBIs. No, I think he had, like, almost 40 RBIs, like, 37 runs scored. He had eight home runs mm-hmm. and all legit home runs. You know, most of his home runs were majestic shots. A lot of right center shots. Oh, uh, right? he, you know, he hit a ball, you know, dead center in division, which was, like, 425. It landed on the track. And then he hit a ball against Valley Street North. It hit the second wall of a roof. So he, had, you know, he's got major league power. But the thing about it, about James was that, um, again, in credit to him, he kind of changed his approach and his hitting style um, because his junior year he was good, but he wasn't great mm-hmm. and he wasn't reaching his potential. But once he changed his approach and he started understanding his swing and what works for him, mm-hmm. that's when he took his offensive game to another level. Mm-hmm. So let's peel back behind the curtain a little bit. We saw, you know, the end result is that you made all these improvements and, and it all came to fruition. 
but what what did you do behind the scenes who were some people that helped you along the way you know have that amount of uh success you know um the guys along on elite you know mm -hmm. always been there for me coach rob severis coach greg thompson uh you know greg dowling mm -hmm. um parents always been there for me uh working out wise kind of did it on my own health division of course you know mm -hmm. get in the weight room in june you know you're gonna good things will happen so yeah that's know. a type of commitment that not a lot of schools have most of the time it's like you know we'll see you we'll see you after the winter winter sports season but you yeah. guys don't really have an off season it seems like in uh in levittown really and actually that's a question coach you've seen it you've been a part of the uh culture now for well, three decades right you've been on coaching staff since uh 1997 what is it about levittown that uh just seems to generate great baseball players well first of all you got a community that backs it Mm -hmm. You know, there's a community there that really, you know, especially in the 80s and the 90s and the early 2000s, you know, the community, they invest they invest in baseball. You know, there's a nucleus in that central Nassau area where it's kind of a baseball town. You know, East Meadow's very good in baseball with East Meadow and Clark. You got Allen Trees, you got MacArthur. So there's a pocket there. Um, we're just proud of the fact that we've been so successful for so long mm -hmm. and won so many championships because you, you need to have great players. Yeah. But you got to have players that buy into your program. You know, and if you don't have players that buy into your program, then obviously you're going to have some like low, you know, years where you're not so great. Yeah. We've been lucky enough at the division to have great players that buy into our program where we've kind of been on a level that we sustained. Yeah, and that's not a hyperbole. Years. Yeah, you guys made the playoffs every year since 1974, which is just unheard of. I think the next longest streak, if I'm not mistaken, was Shoreham, who dated back to 1985, but that streak unfortunately ended this year. Whereas you guys won another county championship, so. yeah, and 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 I think that we you know we won 15 county championships, but I think we we've lost about 20 something. Like, mm -hmm. So we played in almost like 40 yeah. county finals. That's a lot of wins. To doing like the Class that. A's in Nassau County is really hard to do. Mm -hmm. You know, so so many good teams, so many good coaches, and you just gotta like you know, you gotta be lucky. Yeah, supposed to be sport. You gotta be lucky sometimes, mm -hmm. but um. You know, you need good players to buy in. So when did you know that this group had, had what it took? You guys scored 13 runs per game on average. You gave up only less than one run per game, uh, 0.89 ERA, which is just something that's hard to fathom over the course of a 25-game season. It's one thing if you're going to, you know, do that over the course of a three- or six-game stretch. So you guys had the talent. When did you know that this was a special group? Well, I think that we, we you know, we had James James Sill and, and Joe Uvino, two, mm -hmm. two special players that yep. were going like, to be at the forefront of our team. I think last year, at a midway point of last year, you gotta remember we started seven sophomores mm. last year. And I think, you know, when you have such a young team with seven sophomores, you never know what to expect. Mm -hmm. You think you're gonna be okay, but you never know. But I would say mid year last year, um, I felt like the coaching staff and myself felt like, you know what, if we can put, you know, a couple of pieces together and get a little better. I think we can make a run. And to make a run, get to the semifinals of game three against Calhoun, I think Calhoun was a better team than we were last year in 2022. But I think that it showed our guys, good thing, ha sometimes a, a bad loss mm -hmm. is the best thing that ever happened to you in your program. And I think our guys understood what it takes to get to the semifinals, be one game away from get to the finals. And I think they really found out, listen, if we could just do this a little, one of the things I said to them when the year ended, I said, we need to fill our uniforms out like Calhoun. Mm -hmm. You know, we need to look like they look in the uniform. And if you do that, good things will happen. And that's the one thing we really emphasized and we really made an improvement on was getting stronger. Mm -hmm. And that definitely was the reason why 
we were successful this year. Yeah, and you guys had a, quite a combination, middle of the order. You and Joe Uvino overlooked him when I was mentioning Nick Roselli earlier. Joe won the Diamond Award the, the year before that. So can you talk about the friendly rivalry that you guys uh, that you guys have had now, another Diamond Award winner uh, in the books? You know, me and Joe have been playing together since, I think, 10, 11. You know, he's always been catcher, always been the pitcher, you know. And then obviously back-to-back in the batting order. Joe's a great kid. I mean, grew up with him basically. Mm-hmm. Um Great player, of course. Um, probably, to be honest, one of the best catchers I've ever seen in my life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's always fun working with him in the offseason to be able to share constructive criticism to each other. Mm-hmm. And I think that was really special, what we had. Yeah. What was it like having a backstop like that over the last couple of years? Not only a kid that provides that offensive punch, which, you know, his numbers speak for himself. So I think he hit about 480 when he won the Diamond Award. But, you know, you play at a field like – Farmingdale in the in the county champion in a Long Island championship and not having to worry about you know a bunch of wild pitches and not having to worry about you know him handling a young pitching staff too right yeah you listen at the end of the day you know um, if you if you don't have to coach your catcher you're one step ahead of everyone else mm-hmm. and we we actually pride ourselves on that if I have to call pitches and I know some coaches do and that's mm-hmm. their philosophy which is great me personally I, I don't like doing that because I think it takes me away from the overall flow of the game. Mm-hmm. And if I have to worry about calling certain pitches, certain counts, and I got to worry about you know calling a whole game, then I might be losing something else during the game that, that can hurt us. Mm-hmm. So when you have a guy like Joe Uvino, you just put him out there, put him in the lineup, and make sure that you know he's going to do his job, which you have 100% confidence in. And, and I think that's also, you know, a trust factor. You know, practicing every day, talking every day to the catchers. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I can't... I think it's been over 10, 12 years since I've called pitches for, for really? in a game. Yeah, and I think that, you know, when I stopped doing it, I was like, this is this is how I want to do it. This mm-hmm. is how I want to do it because you got to trust you got to trust your players. Yeah, you know, and um, yeah, I just think that in my my my, my approach and my philosophy is you got to let them call the game, mm-hmm. but you got to let them call the game off of all the work you did in preseason. Mm-hmm. What. Because they have to know what you're looking for from our pitching staff, what we're trying, how we're trying to attack hitters, what we're trying to look for, what's our approach as a pitching staff, and then let them lead that mm-hmm. philosophy. And now you guys were led by you know high end players, but it takes a whole army to to have the season that you guys had. Who were some of the unheralded stars? Would you say on your team that uh, contributed to that successful year? You know, I think Matt Bolton. Mm-hmm. Sometimes he's a little. Overshadowed, but in my opinion, Matt Bolton's one of the best players on Long Island. Um, Had the big walk-off hit in the in the championship. I mean, he's right? he's a complete hitter. Mm-hmm. He's going to do great things in his career. Um, Cody Brush came big, uh, came up big for us in the counties. Great uh, play in LIC. Matt Marino stepped up. Mm-hmm. Christian Varela, you know Tyler Diaz, mm-hmm. Kiki De La Cruz, Isaiah Marino. Yeah, you know the list goes on and on about key factors. I think a lot of those guys, as we mentioned. Uh, played in 2022, bad taste in our mouth after semis. Mm-hmm. We all wanted to do, we wanted to win counties, obviously that's the main goal. Mm-hmm. We all kind of had that, like we all wanted it. Like, yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, on the same page. Yeah, so I think that helped us a lot. Mm-hmm. And now, um, Coach, can you talk a little bit about, from your perspective on, on the whole, you know, uh, how the team gelled as well? Because I think that's a big aspect of it. You know, you had the talent, but you know you have to you have to have the team chemistry as well. So is that something that you saw along the way that these guys are really all in and, and on the same page, rowing in the same direction? To have a great team, you have to have great culture, mm-hmm. and culture starts way before your first game. And if you don't have good culture before your season, 
and guys buying into each other and buying into whatever the coaching staff is trying to teach, then you're not going to be successful. Mm-hmm. I, I say this to the guys all the time, and James can back me up on this. If you have <clears throat> no leaders, then you're, not, you're, not, you're a bad team. Mm-hmm. If you have good leaders, then you're, then you're, if the coaching staff has to lead, then your team is okay or maybe good. But you have to have players to lead, and you have to have multiple players. I never had a captain in my life. Because I don't believe three or four guys can lead a team. Mm-hmm. You have to have, you got to generate everybody to believe that they're a captain. And they have to, everyone has to believe that they're leaders. Because you need to have minimum 20 guys to lead your team. If you have 20 guys that are leaders and four guys that don't really kind of buy in, those four guys are irrelevant. They don't mean anything. Mm-hmm. But if you have four guys that lead, but they're not respected by the other 20 guys, I don't care how good they are as players. You're never going to win on the field. Mm-hmm. So we're all about building great culture with everyone trying to be a leader. Mm-hmm. And we need to have everyone lead and everyone take part. And that's a daily grind. you got to work at that daily. And it works for us. Mm-hmm. We're big into culture. We're big into brotherhood. We wear these wristbands that says brotherhood on it. Mm-hmm. You know, because everyone that plays for division, you're, you're a brother. Mm-hmm. You know, and, you, and we're all in this together. And every one of my coaches is a division guy. So we, we, we all buy into that. And mm-hmm. uh, we're all in it together. But you need the players to lead, and you need multiple players to be leaders. Mm-hmm. Now, you guys made a run at a perfect season this year. I remember every time getting a, a message from you about the score of the game, I was like, wow, it seems like they got a shot to do this this year. Now, it hasn't been that long. It was only center merges four years ago, but it's still a very rare occurrence. So was that something that motivated you guys? And also, do you feel like when you did get that one loss that it kind of took a little bit of pressure off as well? Yeah, definitely. I mean, in baseball, it's... I think it's borderline impossible to, you know, be perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just the game. Uh, definitely took a lot of pressure off. You were just like, all right. Um, yeah, let's play baseball. Got that one out of the way. Let's keep doing what we're doing. It's still got mm-hmm. a goal to achieve, you know? Yeah. Did you think that that was, uh, that was possible? You know, you guys made a pretty good pretty good run at it. <laughs> yeah, well, listen, we take, uh, it's an old cliche. You take one game at a time, one inning at a time, mm-hmm. you know, and then they build up, and then next thing you know, you look, you look at the box scores and you're like 20 and up. Yeah. You know, and our first loss was in the playoffs, 3-2 to Beth Page. Mm-hmm. And then our second loss was the Long Island Finals. So baseball is a unique sport, man. There's so many variables that can mm-hmm. happen in a game where you can lose a game. Yep. The best team doesn't always win in baseball. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we know that. And so when you when you have that winning streak where you got 20 wins, you know, you're waiting for that hammer to drop on you, to, like the dark clouds come over your head, yeah. and, and, and you lose a game that you shouldn't have lost. Mm-hmm. Um, but the credit to these guys, especially James and the guys that are seniors, they really took one game at a time. Mm-hmm. They really took one game at a time, and, and it was weird this year because we had so many lopsided wins. Mm-hmm. Like we averaged 13 runs in only year one. You know, a lot of these, you know, a lot of their stats are kind of like not accurate because they got taken out of games. Mm-hmm because we were up by so much, and we wanted to get other guys a chance to play. Mm-hmm. So um, we were always nervous about that close game. Mm-hmm. The coaching staff, we were like, oh my God, when we have a close game, how are we gonna game. respond? But what happened was our first close game was in the playoffs against, um, I think it was Beth Page the first time, and then it was Garden City in the semifinals, where it was like, all right, how are we gonna respond now? Mm-hmm. And, then, and then in the finals, we had close games in Calhoun. How are we gonna respond? And we were so flexible this year as a team, that we could win close games. Yeah. And we could do the little things to win close games. And also, if our bats got hot and we had a good matchup, we can also win those games, mm-hmm. you know, seven, eight, nine runs. And uh, I just wanted to touch on the Long Island Championship. So, you know, you guys won the county championship. That's a tremendous feat. But 
lost the last game of the season. So looking back on it now, does it does it irk you a little bit? And also, how do you prepare for a team that you haven't faced before, like West Babylon? Granted, it's the same thing for them. They hadn't seen you. But are you able to, to gather any information on a team before before LIC? Yeah, well, listen, hey, well, you would try to get, like, you try to talk to coaches, maybe that played them. Mm-hmm. You're friendly, you know, if you're friends with coaches in Suffolk County, you know, you kind of help them out when they're asking you questions about a Nassau County team, and they try to help you out. But, you know, I'm a big believer in worrying about us. Yeah. You know, we got to worry about us. And, um, you know, we played good for six and a half innings. You know, and James pitched great for six and a half innings. And, you know, listen, like I told you earlier, if I look at the box score we, and we won 2-1, it was two runs for us, five hits for us, and four errors for us. And West Babylon had one run, five hits, and no errors. And you told me we were going to win. I was like, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. You know, but give credit to West Babylon. They grind it out. They played their MO. Mm-hmm. Their MO was when they get down, they come back. In every playoff game I, I saw against them, against, especially against Bayport, you know, they were down twice and they came back and won. Mm-hmm. They were down against us, 2-1. You know, 2-1 is not, not a big difference. Yeah. And they came back. So mm-hmm. I give them a ton of credit. You know, we made some mistakes, but you got to play 21 outs. Mm-hmm. So uh, it was a great learning experience for me. There's certain things I would have done different a little bit. I'm not going to say on air what <laughs> they were. Yeah. But and these guys know. And there's some things they would have done different. You know, mm-hmm. as players, so it's just that's that's baseball, man. Mm-hmm. And James, what is that atmosphere like in that stadium? I was lucky enough to pitch at Farmingdale as a player, but in college, but I didn't get to experience a thousand people in the stands, especially the the fervor of Levittown baseball, where you know mm-hmm. they're hanging on every pitch. It's intense. It's not like that in the Skyline Conference. Yeah, I mean, it's it was awesome. We talked about it all year. You know, Coach Subtle uh, saying how we're going to play in front of that big crowd one day. He told me when I was in eighth grade, you're mm-hmm. going to play in front of a big crowd one day. Happened. Uh, mm-hmm. It was awesome. You know, some points of the game, I was like, I, I was like looking around. I was like, oh, I had to get back into this, you know. Yeah. But, yeah, it, it was an awesome experience. Yeah, everybody was fired up. It seemed like I, I, a couple times I just took pictures because I was, like, blown away that, like, this is a high school game on the uh-huh. island. And it was just an incredible atmosphere. So uh, I just wanted to touch on your, your college commitment. So recently you announced your de- decision to attend Old Westbury. Can you tell our audience a little bit about, you know, why you chose the school and also why you chose to do it when you did, which was after the, uh, the season? You know, during the season I was really trying to focus on, you know, playing for division. Uh, once it, o- it was over, you know, Coach Rod, Coach Pat uh, welcomed me in with warm arms. Uh, you know, I really like Old Westbury. The campus is close to home, you know, atmos- uh, building a brand new field. Uh, mm-hmm. I think they have pretty good history with, you know, getting guys to the next level, which yep. is what I wanted. So, Yeah. And, Coach, can you just talk a little bit about your, like, what your role is in, um, you know, being getting kids to the next level? Because you've had a lot of success with that. Do you try to take a, a hands-on approach, or do you kind of sit back and just let, uh, let, let the college coach reach out to you if, if necessary? Well, I try to – I think now the landscape of recruiting has changed dramatically since Certainly. when I was a player. You mm-hmm. know, the high school coach was really the dominant person in trying to get a kid seen by colleges. Mm-hmm. That's long gone now. Yeah. So it's kind of out of the high school coach's hands. So I, I, I play like, in a, like an auxiliary role. Like I kind of like – I always tell these guys when I get to the senior year, give me five schools that you can, number one, attain academically. Because mm-hmm. if you can't do the work academically, you're going to be home in January. Yeah. And number two, you can see yourself playing there. Mm-hmm. Because the game has changed dramatically, You're like the Division three player is really good now. Mm-hmm. You know, when a Division three player, when I was in growing up, they, they were just okay. Yeah. The Division one level is really, really good, and the Division two level is just as good. 
you know, so many guys getting drafted at Division Two as Division Three, Division One. So, mm-hmm. what I try to guide them is pick a school you can do your grades academically, mm-hmm. and then obviously pick a school where you can achieve athletically. Mm-hmm. Some kids get misguided. I have to be honest, you know. And sometimes the travel organizations misguide these kids. Mm-hmm. Where you know, I, I have no dog in a fight, so I'm going to be honest with them. You know, I'm going to say, listen, I don't think you can play there. Yeah. I think you can play here. Now they got to make that decision ultimately. We just try to, I just try to guide them to make the right decision for them. Mm-hmm. So they're not leaving school in January. You know what I mean? I tell mm-hmm. our guys, listen, go watch a Division three game. Go see yourself if you can play at that level. Go watch a Division two game. Yeah. Go watch a Division one game. And compare yourself to that guy that plays your position. Mm-hmm. Can you play at that level? Can you hit that pitching consistently? Mm-hmm. You know, can you pitch at that level? Can you throw? Can you hit the black at 87, 88? It's funny. I watch guys on these videos show that they're throwing 94, but they're throwing against a big net. What? What does that mean? <laughs> but can you throw 94 on a black? Can you throw a changeup, you know, In and locate game. it? Can you throw a breaking ball for a strike? Mm-hmm. Can you be consistent with that over five or six, seven innings? So sometimes kids are misguided, but we just try to play as a high school coach. I try to play the role of, hey, let me guide you. Well, here's what I think you can, can fit. Yeah, you've seen it. You don't want kids to come back in January and be uh, – you know, be back to square one, and now they're a year a year behind the eight ball. So, so lastly, so now we're in the middle of July. You know, th- th- you've accomplished your goals. What are you looking to, to uh, work on now as we head into uh, the start of your college career? Uh, you know, big for me is to continue with pitching still and hitting. Mm-hmm. But I really want to get my pitching view up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, hopefully touching ninety a little bit more. That's a big goal for me. Mm-hmm. Hitting, just try to still be consistent. Trying to hit the ball gap to gap. Mm-hmm. Are you playing at all this summer? Yeah, I'm playing for the HBO. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for your guys' time. Congratulations on another successful season. And thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Access Baseball Podcast.